0: This is the internet channel for the study of Hegel, and here is your host, Robert Vane. Hi everyone, here is Robert Vane with yet another Hegel video. We are reading the philosophy of right, and we're going to dive into paragraph 44 in this video. Let me first um, explain to you a couple of things. I have a couple of introductory remarks. First of all, the question, why are we reading the philosophy of right in such detail? There are many questions that are connected with social philosophy in general. And we are, in a sense, postponing to ask those more important, seemingly more important questions when we get to the later sections of the philosophy of right, why not talk immediately about the injustice of property in the world, the division between the rich and the poor and and all of that stuff? Why aren't we talking about the economy? Why aren't we talking about the obscenity of wealth that we find in our Western world in um, so many places? Well in general you must say philosophy is the labor of the concept it's hard work it means going through the details of a concept and a philosophical system uh, not skipping something just to reach um, some um, interesting idea uh, quicker than is uh, possible or necessary we need to have this um, temperament of um, the labor of the concept that is we have we need to have patience patience and we need to focus on every step that we take in order to be sure that we eventually indeed reach our goal our goal is the true understanding of our social world and we can only get to that when we take one step at a time we can't just focus immediately on issues of uh, equality and justice in the division of property or something like that, or the obscenity of wealth. Therefore, we have to work through it. I really don't care much about very general discussions about major principles um, in a fashion that is more journalistic than philosophical, Uh, philosophy to me means this hard labor and um, you find all sorts of discussions um, very generalized discussions about the position of Hegel's philosophy within the realm of the history of philosophy comparisons between his uh, positions um, with uh, the positions of others and I find them to be barren and without any uh, actual use you need to go through uh, the labor of the concept and in order to do that in this case we need to go through every paragraph of the philosophy of right Mm -hmm. we're not going to try and figure out just everything that is in there we're not going to uh, try and understand everything at first that is not what i mean but we need to get some kind of adequate grasp of every step along the way that hegel uh, is taking and that is uh, a necessary component of his philosophical position that is only um, expressed fully at the end of the philosophy of right you cannot really understand the necessity of that outcome if you haven't gone through the uh, steps before that OK, let's dive into the text. then. without further ado, um, I want to remind you, first of all, of some of the things that I've said before. We're going to talk today about paragraph 44. So we're going to talk about the topic of personality and property. In the previous video, I've talked about um, the, um, the concept of personality, the concept of person, um, and one of the texts that we read was paragraph, paragraph 39 and I remind you uh, that we found let me just place myself somewhere else we found this in paragraph 39 um, a person in his direct and definite individuality is related to a given external nature now this um, given external nature makes the personality into something um, objective. Um, That is the means by which it gives itself a confirmation of its existence within the outer world. The freedom of the person must be more than a assumption or a principle that we use, axiomatically use, Uh, We simply presuppose that there is something like freedom and we try to figure out where it occurs or where it is apparent, but then it's just a principle. Uh, Freedom of the person should be more than a purely inner quality of the subject. It's not a psychological category. But if that is the case, if freedom is more than principle or inner quality or assumption, then we need um, to find the self confirmation of freedom um, in the realm of existence it have has to give itself an existence Uh, right is the existence of freedom and the free will therefore has to give itself existence now um, that is what is uh, said here direct and definite individuality, that means the immediate um, form, the immediate and abstract form of individuality is related to a given external nature. Now there is a contradiction in here. And the contradiction is that the personality now becomes opposed to the outer world as something subjective. Now freedom or personality is Uh, supposed to be infinite and universal infinite because it has no boundaries no limits and universal because it has nothing outside of it it's truly a universal but when we say that freedom is mere subjectivity opposed to uh, an objective world we limit freedom it it's less than infinite it's become it has become finite and it has a particular Uh, relationship um, to the objective world so it's no longer universal it's particularized so that means that we can understand what Hegel is saying here to confine to mere subjectivity the personality which is meant to be infinitely universal contradicts and destroys its nature so we have this contradiction now how does the free will try to overcome um, this um, uh, uh, limitation this uh, abstract uh, self-contradiction um, well uh, the person becomes an active subject that tries to um, remove this limitation tries to sublate um, this relationship between itself as mere subjectivity and the outer world as purely given Uh, Why can't the world be purely given? Because then, of course, freedom is something inner, an inner quality, and we are ruled actually not by our freedom, but by the necessities of this outer world. So we lose the whole concept of freedom if we accept this contradiction between our inner uh, free subjectivity and the outer world that is dictated, uh, that is ruled by laws of necessity. So we can't have that. We have to find the um, uh, realization of the person within the outer world. Now, how does that uh, work? We found that in paragraph 41. Paragraph 41 says, a person must give to his freedom an external sphere in order that he may reach the completeness of um, the idea. The idea, after all, means uh, the full identity between uh, thought and being, um, the full realization of the concept. Uh, If the concept is taken as something subjective, the full realization of the concept, the unity of the concept and its reality. So that was paragraph 41. Um, When we consider freedom uh, at this abstract level, it's both universal because everyone is a person in this sense, and it is abstract because we do not consider any specifics, any specific content. Let me just remind you that um, person was in uh, was defined by Hegel as the individual free will that knows itself to be free will. The element of self-consciousness turns out to be quite... Um, Important, as we will see in paragraph 44, um, with the discussion about animal rights. So self-consciousness of the free will is a vital part of this concept. Or in other words, in terms of the free will, a person is an individual free will that wants itself as free will. So person is the first abstract phase of the completely existent infinite will. And therefore, this relationship to the outer world, to its existence, is at first um, a a relationship to something that is purely external to it. It's not posited by the free will, but it's a given. So it's not only distinguishable from him, but directly different and separable. This directly, um, again, translates the word uh, urmitlba. So we talked about paragraph 42. That which is defined as different from the free spirit, is both in its own nature and also for the spirit, the external. It is an object, something not free, impersonal, and without rights. It's a Sache in German. Uh, So uh, we have in Dutch the expression zakenrecht. So uh, the sphere of the law uh, that concerns itself with things that can be possessed and owned um we talked about paragraph 43 that this separate individual that is opposed to this objective given world uh, is itself conceived to be purely natural so that is also important um, it has the same nature as the external world in a sense because it defined itself as something uh simple and natural okay um Hegel discusses in the note here in 43 the um, uh, issue of the property of um, uh, how would you say that in English well it's about the legal possession of art science capacity to preach or read mass and all of that stuff uh, so the immaterial objects and Hegel Hegel's view is that um, the free will is capable of making into a thing considering and treating something like a thing that has this inner uh, inner spiritual side and then he says the understanding becomes confused as how they are to be regarded at law so we have here the special case of spiritual property rights moving on to paragraph 44 now this is the paragraph I want to talk about now and let's remind us first that the um, right to property is, um, in Hegel's philosophy, seen as the outcome of the principle of personality. So the principle of personality governs whatever we consider to be property. Now he says this, a person has the right to direct his will upon any object as is real and positive. And let me take the German. Um, for a moment here and let's see about this <clears throat> um, the object thus becomes his as it has no end in itself it receives its meaning and soul from his will mankind has the absolute right to appropriate all that is a thing uh, so absolutes zueignungsrecht des menschen auf alle sachen absolute so it's the right to acquire and to take into your own possession whatever does not have this property of self-conscious free will which does not have this universal and infinite nature which is not um, truly spiritual in itself um, a person has the right to direct his will upon any object uh, in german in jede sache ihren willen zu legen so to direct his will upon means to acquire it to um, have your will which is called in in latin animus that is the intention of the the person to own something you have to have this animus you can't uh, stumble upon something and acquire it by accident you have to want it and you have to want it consciously and self-consciously not only that you want it but you need to know that you want it you need to want to want it all of that we have discussed uh, before so then the object becomes his it becomes a property it actually changes in essential quality there's a huge difference between something that is not owned or cannot be owned and something that is owned Something that is owned now becomes a vehicle for the self-expression of the person. This is mine means something like, I am in there. I am expressed in whatever I am now uh, in possession of. It has no end in itself. The thing has no substance, has no reality that is given to it by itself. Now, interestingly enough, um hegel says there are philosophies that see this differently i'm not quite sure what he um, what he means by that um which philosophy he means by that There seems to be a reference to kantian philosophy there's also a philosophy which affirms that the mind cannot know what the truth or the thing in itself is that would mean that uh, that's of course the kantian position Um, that would mean that to take something into possession doesn't really affect the thing because there is something like the thing in itself so the only thing that uh, is changed is the appearance or the relationship to the appearance uh, that I have but the thing itself remains itself so if the thing in itself is not something that can be possessed because it has its own nature and end and purpose for whatever we can know Um, then of course property is um, with regard to the thing something quite superficial and external but Hegel is saying that this external thing becomes part of my sphere of self-expression and thereby truly uh, changes it becomes something other than it was before it uh, came into my possession. these philosophies he says are directly contradicted by the attitude of the free will to these things so the philosophy that says that things have an independent and absolutely complete reality and the philosophies that say that we cannot know what the thing in itself is are wrong because um, in the acquisition of property we actually find uh, a completely different um, uh, thing happening, Um, and that is that the thing does not have an independent reality. If it had an independent reality, it um, must have had some kind of opposition to my acquisition of it, Uh, by uh, stating its own purpose or withdrawing from my possession or whatever. There is no such activity in the thing that uh, I possess. It should have an independent reality in consciousness as perceiving and imagining, um, and the free will is the idealization or truth of such reality. So uh, the free will actually demonstrates in the process of acquisition that things do not have an independent reality that their being is external to themselves Um, they do not have subjectivity they do not have any kind of free will so let's look at the addition now a man may own anything because he is a free will and is therefore self-contained and self-dependent but the mere object is of an opposite nature So the object that I can own cannot be self-contained, cannot be self-dependent. Now, this is a way of talking about things that will immediately um, be in conformity with our own intuitions. Uh, When we uh, look at books or tables or whatever, uh, it's obvious that a book or a table does not have an independence of its own, it does not have uh, self containment and self dependence, it is merely a thing. But how to talk about animals like that? An animal also is, is external to itself and is so far a thing. Now, is that really the case? In Hegel's era, the whole idea of uh, self consciousness in animals. Uh, for instance, um, in uh, the great apes or um, in dolphins, was completely alien to uh, biology at the time. Um, But what we have found now is that animals, first of all, have a far greater sense of pain and impending death and all of that than we uh, thought before. And secondly, they do have um a kind of uh, self-consciousness as is demonstrated by the ability of the great apes to uh, learn a language a sign language and talk about themselves up to a point uh, they can refer to themselves and that is quite interesting because then we cannot lo- we can no longer say that all animals are external to themselves uh, i mean um uh, fish might uh, uh, be external to themselves but these great apes seem to have properties and qualities that um, imply that they have self-consciousness so in that sense an ape or a dolphin cannot be owned they can be subjugated they can be brought into slavery because that would be the most direct uh, concept to use here now Hegel says here, only the will is the unlimited and absolute, while all other things in contrast with the will are merely relative. And so this um, ability to uh, acquire things, to take things into ownership is so powerful and so universal that all things, uh, including animals, even if you have to do uh, quite a lot to really own a horse, for instance, uh, you cannot really own uh, wild animals uh, only in the sense that you can lock them up in cages, um, but yet you, you can see them as expressions of your personality, um, and no one will dispute your right to own animals unless there is regulations uh, for that for whatever reason. Um, but that's something that belongs to civil society in his laws. In um, basically it is it's about the capacity to take an animal into possession not about the propriety of um, that kind of acquisition or about the proper behavior towards animals that are in your possession that's all something that um, should be found somewhere else in in uh, the realm of law and right to appropriate is at bottom only to manifest the majesty of my will towards things, by demonstrating that they are not self-complete and have no purpose of their own. They get a purpose. Um, they get a purpose by becoming my property. This is brought about by my instilling into the object another end than that which it primarily had. Now, did it have any end at all before I took it into my possession? Mm-hmm. Now, you might say that the animal had the end or the purpose just to uh, propagate its species. Um, And when it comes into my position, I use the horse, for instance, for racing purposes. And then it has as its purpose to um, earn me money. Um, So in that sense, the object gets another end than that which it primarily had. When the living thing becomes my property it gets another soul than it had i gave it my will the horse will um, obey my uh, orders will obey my will and in that sense it has another soul than it had It's no longer a free animal it's no longer a wild animal it's now uh, an animal that um, uh, has to obey my purposes for it free will is thus the idealism which refuses to hold that things as they are can be self-complete. So free will is an expression of that idealism because it destroys the uh, possibility of some kind of absolute realism, uh, which is the first philosophy we encountered here in the note, Um, the philosophy that ascribes to the impersonal to separate things an independent and absolutely complete reality that's kind of an absolute realism and hegel says the free will is the contradiction to that is the refutation of that things cannot be self complete so he is saying an animal like a horse cannot be self-complete merely because we have the ability to subjugate an animal uh, does that imply that that animal is not self-complete remember the argument for um, uh, slavery that it was the right of the white race to subjugate other races simply because they could easily be um, defeated in battle because they did not have the same kind of society that we had, because they were not christian Um, therefore they were not on the same level uh they were not civilized etc so they were not complete they were not self-complete their cultures were uh, of indifference to us now that argument for slavery was rightfully rejected as soon as we came to understand that there can be many kinds of human cultures and that there is more universality in these cultures than that there are particular differences So other races have the same kind of humanity as we have. And it's not a difference between humanity and pseudo-humanity. It's a difference between different human um, cultures um, more than anything. So the argument that an animal cannot be self-complete rests entirely on the fact that we impose this criterion of self-consciousness and expression of free will and language and all of that uh, as uh, part of um, the concept of the dignity of personality now of course realism on the other hand that declares them to be absolute in their finite form cannot be followed here this realistic philosophy is not shared in by the animal which by consuming things proves that they are not absolutely independent well um, they also prove that there are living uh, things and that they therefore have some kind of will and the question then becomes do they have free will have they the ability to choose remember in the Middle Ages it was considered Mm -hmm. to be um, not a, a property of animals to be able to choose they were simply led by their instincts and external impulses and that led to the ass of Buridan, the ass that is uh, exactly in between two stacks of hay and it has to choose between the two but it cannot if it were to be purely rational but of course it is not rational it does not have a rational free will so it will consume first the one and then the other but um the the idea was that an ass uh, was not a rational uh, being and and therefore didn't have this problem of free choice. Does an animal have free will? I believe that uh, at present, uh, animals like dolphins and the great apes, we cannot deny them the property of free will. So in a sense, we cannot deny them, if personality is defined by all of this, we cannot deny them, Um, the um, the uh, uh, status or the um, uh, well the status of a personality on the other hand if personality naturally flows into something like property um, we can ask the question whether these animals that we just have declared to be persons um, well if they are owners and if they're not owners their personality is not the same as ours it's different they are personalities without this urge to uh, ownership at least the two questions that cannot be resolved right now but I want to ask these questions just to focus you on the problems that uh, we uh, have just arrived at uh, one is if animals do have free will, some animals do have free will, and yet their free will is not expressed in property, then in what sense can we say, should we say, that free will is necessarily expressed in property? That's one thing. And the other thing is, if um, free will is not only expressed in the acquisition of property, then um, the The notion that some animals have free will and therefore have personality should extend to include something like animal rights, the right of an individual animal to be treated, um, well, far better than just as a thing that can be possessed. Um, So these are interesting questions concerning uh, Hegel's philosophy within um, the context of the, current discussion about animal rights and the ability of some animals to experience uh, pain in a manner that is more equal to our own, and secondly, to have this property of self-consciousness. Okay, let me conclude just with um, two uh, statements. Let me make three final remarks. First of all, this concept of property is not an ideological foundation for any kind of ruling class uh, the class of the owners um, and it cannot be seen like that it has a critical function because it states that no one may be treated as slave or as a thing now we might think that slavery is gone but there is such a thing as slavery as soon as you take someone captive because he has no other means of survival or living and satisfy his needs than by uh, doing your bidding to be obedient to you. So, if there is no alternative, alternative to become a property of some kind of um, uh, industry or company. Um, in order to survive that in fact constitutes in hegel's view slavery it means that you are treated like a slave or a thing so we don't have that we have this critical idea that uh, you cannot be treated as slave or a thing and as i said before this might extend uh, to some animals and it raises the question of animal rights because of what we have found out since hegel of the property of uh, animals uh, to be um, much more sentient and much more self-aware than we considered earlier. And it raises the question again uh, whether or not this free will is only expressed in the form of the ability to acquire property, or that this acquisition of property should be widened or, let's say, restricted to uh, human beings and should be widened to include other forms of the expression of free will. Um, thirdly, this whole concept of property, as Hegel explains explicitly, is not um, does not involve immediately our needs. So property is not about needs. Possession is about needs. Consumption is about needs, but property shows a a quality of human beings that goes beyond let's say the organization of our needs it goes beyond economics we live in an era i think that um, uh, uh, makes economic issues and my existence as an economic being trying to survive, uh, organizing a household, um, being part of the market, and selling my labor, and all of that. That considers that economical status of my personality to be the highest uh, that there can be. It considers humans in their um, rank uh, by considering the measure of success that they have in that economic sphere. For Hegel, here it becomes obvious that property is not about um, satisfying my needs and not even about expressing myself as becoming uh, a person that is above his needs, that has more than he needs, that has wealth in such a degree that um, it can easily satisfy its own needs and becomes essential and necessary for others to satisfy their needs. Um, Economy and the economical way of thinking about ourselves as a society and as persons um, is absolutely vital. But it's only a first stage of the um, purpose uh, That is um, the purpose of our social organization, of our society. Uh, As Hegel will show in his social philosophy, in his philosophy of right, beyond the whole sphere of economy and law and government is the sphere of uh, art, religion, and philosophy itself, let's say, including science. And all of these endeavors of humanity go above and beyond The uh, sphere of property, morality, and economy. Podcast devoted to the study of Hegel's philosophy of right.